This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. This episode of Pastor Mike is sponsored by DoorDash. Okay, how does it start? It starts, uh... Oh, greetings and God bless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, it's been a long I'm, time. I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> Here we go. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic. Dynamic Voices... Wait, what is it? Dynamic Voices. So help me out, Jamar. It's Dynamic Voices of Poor Diverse Church, Poor diverse powered church. by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the president of The Witness, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself. And a best-selling author. See, I'm just forgetting all this stuff. Jamar, Look, what is going on? It has been a minute, man. I'm really surprised you remembered your own name, but I'm glad you got that <laughs> part right. Oh, my Listen, goodness, was, bro. Look, I was telling Jamar before we hit the record button, I had to dust off my mic stand. Like, that's how that's, long it's that's been. That's yeah. I had to, like, blow dust off of this thing. This is crazy, bro. I'm but so you had you had that. a good reason. You had a good reason. Welcoming a new life into the world and uh, everything you got going on in your own local church ministry. This is what people I don't think people get about you and many of the people on the team at The Witness is that you're not just a talking head. You're like living this out in real life and stuff happens and, and there's drama and there's prayer and there's stuff you got to do. <laughs> and like, it's real. It's real. So this is coming from a place right. of authenticity. We missed you, bro. Glad to have you back. Man, thank you, bro. Um, you guys killed it without me. And that's how it always is. Next man up, next person up. So you guys have done a phenomenal job. But um, as some of you guys know, welcome to uh, our second child into the world, Benaya Langston Burns. Benaya, of course, means son of the Lord. Langston, after the classic, one of America's greatest writers, Langston Hughes, and um, also was ordained lead pastor at my church. So Woo. this has been all That's that happened huge. in like a month span or so, something like that, three weeks. Yeah. Or so yeah, man, it's been a lot. So, but but what Jamar saying is what Jamar said is actually true. I. I truly, genuinely cherish being a husband and a father and being a local church pastor far more than what people know and can even perceive. Hmm. Um, my heart genuinely beats for the local church. Like, we're sitting down having this conversation with um, uh, um, one of our new members earlier this uh, this week and was just having this this great conversation about, and he's, you know, 40, like 40, 50 years older than me or something. It's some crazy. And we're just sitting down talking about grace and assurance of salvation and battling temptation and struggle and pure, and all these things that, you know, it's not stuff that we put on a podcast not something that we advertise publicly, but this is real life. I mm -hmm. just enjoy walking with God's people. So it's, it's the great honor and joy of my life to do that and um, to welcome new life into the world. My wife is a rock star, by the way. She's of course. Incredible. Yes. Um, you know, love, support, honor black women, pay them well. Um, yeah, all that. 
you know, marry them, all that. But yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> you getting us on a whole other topic. But hey, okay. <laughs> man, look, look, look. I ain't go. You know what I'm saying? I, I was, I stepped away, and I realized everything. You know, pretty much stayed the same. You know, 45 right. out here wilding still. Wow. You know, he blaspheming Super now. Violent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know. Black folk doing all kind of stuff, partnering with the Empire. Holla at Jay Z. What's up? Bro? How you doing? Uh, you see, Colin Kaepernick still ain't got a job. Flint still ain't got clean water. Okay, all right, I see y'all. You stealing y'all all my? Doing it. You stealing all my podcast topics for footnotes? But that's all right. Look, that's man, all right. Hey, just hey, I'm just teasing, we're teasing you up, it. man. I'm allying. <laughs> I'm allying you up. And I gotta say, man, I was actually the top of last week. I remember there was this tweet. From Lisa Fields. I got to shout out Lisa. Number one, she just did Courageous Conversations with Jude 3, which was phenomenal. All right. I I could be there, but, you know, baby prevented me from being there. Phenomenal conversations, some heavyweights within the the black church community. But she she made this post that went semi-viral and hurt my feelings, even though Mm. it didn't necessarily apply to me. Um, I just want to preface this, a heavy word. But she said, and and I'm quoting here, too many parents are praying that their kids come back to church without realizing that their private life is their child's biggest obstacle to faith. They reject the faith that made you nice in church, but nasty at home. My goodness. She posted that on a Monday. I said, that's not a Monday word. Uh uh-uh, that's Thursday. That's a Friday. We're ramping up into the weekend. Right, right, right. We're just starting the week. Ooh, that's so deep. There's so much truth into that, man. There's so much truth. Why did that stick out to you? I think it did because I'm having this ongoing conversation within our own church and kind of in our broader church association about, you know, just generational unity hmm. and how many times, well, from my particular perspective, I think it works both ways, but from my particular perspective, an older generation doesn't understand what a younger generation values and appreciates. And when we express something that's different in our valuing and in our appreciation, the older generation gets offended thinking that the same things that worked in their time as far as methods, not as far as message, but as far as methods, will still work now. And the reality is while an older generation may affirm honor and titles and longevity, the younger generation, while appreciating that, honors transparency and vulnerability and humility. And so those are the types of things that lead to, I think, this this clash, this language struggle um, and tug of war that happens within our churches. And I mean, it happens within broader Black communities too. So it's not just a church issue. I mean, you have the younger Black activists versus those who have decided to be congressmen and congresswomen um, within um, our our elected leadership. You have all these types of things that, that go on. I think we have to we have to come to the table of understanding, but I think it's important for us to be to listen to millennials, to listen to the generations that come after us um, as we speak. So it was just like, yeah, you you really articulate what a lot of us what a lot of us think. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I feel like so I approached so. it from the standpoint of I'm like you're gonna get all over me on this uncle culture stuff, but I I heard it as a a a parent and being like, you know, my son is old enough now to where he's cognizant of our moods and hypocrisies and shortcomings and all of that stuff. So when I read that, which, which I read your comment on that, you had screenshotted it. That's how I first came across it. Uh, It hit me because like Sunday morning, 
I'm 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 holy, boy. I'm like, let's go, family. Let's get up. Let's get to church on time. All this stuff. The rest yeah, the of gospel the week, music playing. <laughs> literally, don't read me too much. Don't read too much. You um, on that hip hop station only play gospel music on Sunday mornings till twelve, and then it stops. Oh my goodness! How you go from gospel? How you go from Donnie McClurkin and We Fall Down to Juvenile? Like, how does that work? Watch it! Yeah. Watch it! Watch it! <laughs> So I'm, it's back. Like, I'm free, man. I'm just happy look, to be back. So look, I don't know what I'm going to say today. It's so true, though. It's so true. Because then I'm like, you know, Monday through Saturday and, and many, many moments on Sunday, too. It's like, who is this person that I'm being, especially toward my child and all of that stuff? So it, it's so true that, you know, so many people walk away from the faith because of hypocrisy. And generally, we think of like this big sort of hypocrisy out there among church leaders, people who write books, uh, pastors whose sermons are online or on DVDs, people with, you know, big platforms on social media. But so many times the hypocrisy is right up close. It's people in your family. It's people in your congregation. It's folks that you know are doing dirt. And and meanwhile, are being all rah-rah for Jesus. And and it can be crushing, right? Like like we have to have a really robust theology and understanding of scripture around this because nobody's perfect. There's, Absolutely. there's always going to be that gap between our profession and our practice. Um, and so we have to have a mature mind and heart about us to know that although we fall short, we're still on this journey with Jesus and, and still be able to discern when uh, we're just flat out, just, just not even uh, trying to walk with Jesus. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh yeah. No, a hundred percent. I remember um, what you, what you brought up, reminded me of this James Baldwin quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. And he said, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they've never failed to imitate them. Yes. And it just reminds me, you know, as I have two kids that, man, like your kids are, your kids are actors. They're going to, they're going to imitate what you, what you do and how you live and how you carry yourself. So anyway, this is a broader conversation. That's not what we talk about today, but I just had to shout out Lisa. We got to actually get her on to talk about this. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I think it does. Right in the thick too, as a PK and and all that, you know, shout out to the PKs. I mean, we recognize, you know, that many times it's the people who are at the highest positions that sometimes can can fail us and we can see things about them. We can see their humanity in an unflattering way, um, which should cause us to pray, which should cause us to be introspective. But it's also it's a blow, man. It feels like betrayal. Absolutely. And I do think it actually dovetails because one of the ongoing conversations you and I have is about the black church in the 21st century, what it should be, what needs to change continuity versus discontinuity, et cetera, et cetera. And what I've appreciated about you and your ministry is that you really do seek to give honor to the older generation. Uh, to the people who are more experienced, right? The people who have lived life and have the gray hairs to show for it and not just sort of dismiss them. And I've talked to several pastors. I think one of the most intriguing, exciting, and difficult places to be is the pastor of a historically black church in the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Um, I mean, and, and our church has been around for 27 years, but the reality is you know, you take someone like uh, Dr. Charlie Dates or Dr. John Faison, who will be with us this fall, 
and they are pastoring historic <laughs> black churches. Yes. Uh, Pastor Brian Carter at Concord. Uh, just, I'm thinking of so many. Just yeah. CJ Rose down in Mount Helm and Jackson. Yes. Uh, Dexter we, Nuttall out in, uh, yes. in Washington, D.C. Man, we're going to keep it good. We just going to, we need to make a master list of all these pastors who are doing this doing work. Uh, so well. Um, and actually, in the book Exodus Preaching, which we had Kenyatta Gilbert on to talk about, he he kind of shouts out a lot of these younger pastors um, in the first couple of chapters of his book. But man, it, it just it, it makes me think about just the the reality of man, what does it look like to pass the torch and to carry on the mantle and to really continue the movement as well? That's right. Which is the whole purpose of discipleship, which is the whole purpose of the church, which is to find faithful men and women who have gone. Um, before us to learn from them. And then they teach us um, as hopefully we're faithful ourselves. They teach us so that we can continue on and do likewise. Um, It really kind of ties into what we talking about today, man, which is this big event we got coming up, man. This national conference we got coming up. It's J and J. Why'd you call it J and J? Is it J and J because your name is Jamar? That's what it is. Joy and Justice. J is a great letter. Is that what it is? Everybody in my family has a J name. It's dope. It's a dope letter. But no, it was like, I mean, oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts about this, right? So Okay, first of all, first of all, for the people who are (laughs) tuning in and maybe they just not familiar, yeah, we are having a national conference. Uh, October 4th and 5th in Chicago, Illinois, at the historic Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church, birthplace of gospel music in the U.S. is going to be incredible. Joinjustice.com for more information on that. Okay, now that I put that in there, now we can talk about it. So go <laughs> ahead, Jamar. Well, this is the tie-in, right? We're having it at the historic Ebenezer Church. Why is it historic? Not only because it's old been around for more than a century, but because it is the birthplace of gospel music. The first gospel choir that performed in front of a congregation was assembled and performed at this church where we're going to be at. And it's so crazy to me. If you listen to gospel oh, music, man. You, this is like a pilgrimage. Um, and, and, and the symbolic value, right? We were, we were really focused on finding the right venue, right? We could have done a hotel or some other venue but, or, or, or a different church, but this one, this one just felt right because it's that, it's that bridge between the old and the new. It's, it's that honoring the generations that have come before us while still addressing the present day and the current times. And so having this conference put on by the witness, which, you know, we're trying to, to, to really have the finger on the pulse of the black church and, and what our, our followers are going through is very contemporary in that sense. But at the same time, it's at the his, this historic space and, and, right. and in this environment that calls us back to the ancestors and our Christians who came before us, what they've done, what they struggled with, um, but also the joy that they found. So I think, even the very setting of joy and justice is significant and sort of contributes to the theme of continuing the 400 year journey of black joy and justice from 1619 to 2019. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's ironic because we're dealing with, you know, so many 1619 themes, you know, you have obviously the New York times who put out that beautiful volume um, of our story kind of told from our perspective and different contours that the history books leave out and and we're also at this crux. It's not just a, a, an appropriate Kairos time because it's 400 years, but we're also at this crux of being at a very contentious point in our history. And so I'm curious, how do you as a historian, I think 
uh, you know, kind of articulate what's happening right now and why a gathering would be important. Because I think, you know, I can say from a pastoral standpoint, I mean, there's always an excuse to get together. You know, there's always an excuse just to meet up and hang and to listen to podcasts and, you know, from a live perspective and to talk with people from around the country. I mean, all that's that's good and and nice. But I'm from a historical perspective, it seems like this present moment is important for Christians and particularly Black Christians uh, to come together and gather. Why would you say that is from from a historian's idea? Well, look at what we're dealing with in the present day. As we look at justice issues, what what do we think about? We think about mass incarceration. We think about the racial wealth gap. We think about uh, health disparities and and Black women dying in maternity-related deaths at two to three times the rate of white women. We look at the uh, rise, the public rise uh, and resurgence of white nationalism and white Christian nationalism and all of these issues pertaining to justice. And when you peel back the layers, so much of it goes back to the history of race-based chattel slavery. And 1619 marks the date when 20 some odd Negroes were forcibly brought to the coast of colonial Virginia and slavery was introduced in British colonial America. And it's a helpful date. You know, there's 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 all kinds of nuances. History historians just love nuances. You know, there were actually African descended people in North America long before 1619. Uh, there's debate about whether these folks were indentured servants or enslaved right. people. Yeah. Uh, Native Americans are a huge part up. of this story. You know, there's a whole ton about this. And so um, the 1619 project that you mentioned before, put on by New York Times Magazine, spearheaded by Nicole Hannah Jones. Shout out to her. Uh, It walks through a lot of that history and there are a lot of great articles out there, but it is a helpful mnemonic. It's a helpful reminder of the rotten roots of a lot of this country. And we can't forget about it. We can't disconnect where we are today from the centuries of race-based chattel slavery and then Jim Crow segregation and then racialized and and, um, a racist society that we're still living in today. So this 2019, it's just appropriate, especially as we consider justice and the opportunity to to go back to that date and trace the past four centuries and what we've been through. So it it, it works on all kinds of levels, just in God's timing. Man, you know, as a pastor and as one who just loves the Bible, I can't help but think of Acts 2 and this whole concept of the disciples being together on one accord and in one place. And then the spirit arrives, like the spirit meets them in that moment. And not just because I'm charismatic, not just because I believe in all the gifts, which is another episode we need to have. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think it's just a powerful example of what happens when believers, diverse groups of believers come together and we commit to expecting God to speak to us and do something in us that is unique, that's abnormal, that's different, that's exciting, that's hopeful. And what I really think about is you know, we're heading into 2020, and this is a consequential time, not just in you know biblical senses, not just in a, you know a Christian timeline, but it's also consequential for our nation. As you mentioned, um, we're dealing with so many different things, so many different concerns, and it feels like it's a natural progression that 
Black Christians would start to gather in unique ways. And we've seen it in so many different conferences, whether it's Front Porch Conference and Courageous Conversations and Call and Response Conference, uh, all these, uh, the Truth Table Gatherings, all these things that we just love and respect and honor. But I think beyond that, it's also just an opportunity for us, again, to come together and to further this narrative and to further this very unique idea. And that's what the witness has been. The witness has been a Black Christian collective, not just for the sake of gathering Black Christians, but for the sake of gathering Black Christians to say something and to do something. And that's different. It's not just we're coming to ideate. We're coming to say and we're coming to do. And it is unique because I believe it it pulls on the angst of so many of us. Yeah. And when we started, you know, when you started Ran Jamar, I remember the room when we did that retreat in Jackson. And I remember how different the room was when we did our recent retreat in Chicago. <laughs> it's totally huh. different, right? Huh. And not not from a not from a personal standpoint, not from who was in the room, but the the sense, the spirit of the room was one of more angst and one of more heaviness because of the moment that we live in. But there was a lifting in the room too. We felt the heaviness and we brought the heaviness together. But when we got together, when we prayed, when we had fun, when we laughed, when we talked, when we cried, when we wrestled, when we argued, when we debated, we got in the room and then at the end there was a lifting. And that lifting, I think, comes from when we bring our burdens and then we're able to bear them with brothers and sisters who love us and who have the same mission and say, continue on, keep going, don't stop. There is more for you. And I'm with you along this this heavy, tedious journey. That's such I a felt good that. Way. Yeah. Yeah. I just I felt that because I felt the differences. And it wasn't, it was, I don't think we realized what you know was gonna happen with Rand at that time. And so it was it was hopeful, it was new, it was fresh, it was it was exciting, but it didn't have that the heaviness of it. And mm-hmm. that's because we had to go through mm-hmm. a great alienation. We had to go through watching our brothers and sisters killed on camera. We had to go mm. through leaving churches. We had to go through um, fighting and wrestling against the forces of white supremacy in a head-on collision. And then when we did that, now we're bringing scars. Man. But the scars are healed in the presence of community. <laughs> because you can say, hey, I see your scars. You see my scars. But when I acknowledge them and when you acknowledge mine, there's a moment that happens where we say, because my brother and my sister acknowledged me, that reminded me that God acknowledges me too. Wow. And then it gives me the power to just see, don't, don't get me started, man. I'm preach, so excited because preach. it's like, man, I felt the difference in the room. And I said, man, we, we brought all these scars here and we spent the first two hours just praying for one another. Mm just sharing our stories, crying, like personal things that nobody would want to know. Like personal things, we're like, yo, I don't, I'm feeling heavy. I'm yeah. feeling frustrated. I'm upset. Pouring our hearts out to one another, wrapping our arms around one another. And, and when the witness team did that, I said, oh, man, this is going to be something to get people from across the country and do the same thing. That is such a good framing of it in terms of scars. Because you have to, it you have to understand the journey. We call in this, you know, the subtitle is continuing the four hundred year journey, and and it is a journey, but really just a journey. Even if you just look at the past five or six years, right? So when we started, yes, yes. what was the Reformed African American Network? 
it, I'll speak for myself, but there was this sense that, yes, a lot needed to change and be reformed in these sort of reformed and evangelical circles. But perhaps there was space for us to carve out and be leavened within these communities, et cetera, et cetera. And so there was this sort of hopefulness. There was this idea that, you know, we're, 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 we're driving a wedge in and we're going to make increasingly more and more space within this thing that already is out there. But then, you know, Mike Brown was killed and Eric Garner and Rakeel Boyd and so many others. And yeah, we Renisha saw McBride, 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 all of them, Alton right? Sir. Every these, time you start saying these names, I'm like, there's I don't just more leave and more out. and more. Yes. And I feel like I don't want to leave out the holiness, like the the sanctity, the dignity of these names. Right. Um, it just weighs so heavy on me. And it just reminds me every time I, I, I say those names or someone says them. If these are real people. We we watch them die. We literally watch them die. We watch them die, and then we watch the responses unfold from pundits out there in the news, but also within our own churches, within our own communities of faith, and the callousness, the the degradation, the flat out racism that we saw as people looked down on people with black bodies still being brutalized right here in the 21st century. And that's on top of uh, the Emmanuel 9 massacre. Uh, that's on top yes. of yes. Charlottesville and mm. good people on both sides. That's on top of all of the stuff that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and, and, and this stuff going on about critical race theory and, and black theology and all of this stuff. And I remember, well, yeah, and the and the election, and the election, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> you know, like that that, that comment, you know, that struck, uh, and and those were the scars, right? Every time we saw a video, every time we read a nasty comment, every time we uh, felt betrayed by someone we thought we could trust, those are the scars that were accumulating. And so when we did get together in, uh, I guess it was 2017, and talked about changing the name. There was this weight yeah. and this heaviness. and But there was also this eagerness to get together. And that's what mm-hmm. sticks out mm-hmm. to me so much. It was a point in my life for several years, and I, 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 I'm really only just in the past couple months starting to come out of it. But it was several years when I was so hurt by the church, mm-hmm. meaning other Christians, that I felt disconnected from God. It, 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 it got so bad from high school, I knew I wanted to be a preacher. And it got so bad in these past couple of years that I couldn't even bring myself to preach. There were engagements that came up, there were opportunities, and I just had to say no, because I felt so spiritually detached from God and from the church and I knew I wasn't losing my faith or anything like that, but I was so wounded and so hurt, I couldn't at that point stand in front of God's people and be a leader. And that's how bad it was. But, but I remember uh, the, the, the witness team, all these brothers and sisters who have given so generously of their time, when we would get together, it felt like church. Yeah. Yeah. It felt healing. <laughs> it felt right. communal. And there was True so community. much trust. There was so much faith. It was imperfect. And yet we were all hurting in similar ways. 
different experiences, but but similar ways. We understood where we were coming from. And that is my hope and prayer for this conference. I want people who feel like they don't have or they're not at the church where they can feel that healing and that trust and, and strengthen their faith. I want them to come here and and have a taste of it. We're not replacing the local congregation. We're not even we, we, we don't we're not trying to. Um, but I do want you to remember the sweetness of the fellowship or experience Oof. it for the first time if you haven't. Um, yeah. And the only reason I want people to come is not so we get ticket money. It's not so we can fill a building. It's so that you don't miss out. It's so that you can experience right. this. Yeah, it feels like a river in the desert, man. Now we're going to take a quick sponsorship break. This episode of Pastor Mike is sponsored by DoorDash. Long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office? Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. On top of that, ordering is easy. All you do is just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code PTM. And I have to say, I'm excited about this sponsorship because my wife loves DoorDash. We used it postpartum uh, after we had the baby a lot. Uh, So this is awesome. And DoorDash has been a great experience for us. And we never ran into a driver who wasn't professional and delivered our food on time and it was great so once again that's five dollars off your first order when you download the doordash app from the app store and enter the promo code ptm don't forget that's promo code ptm for five dollars off your first order from doordash please consider trying doordash to thank them for supporting past the mic just this this brief oasis moment where we we come up on and, and it's so it's so vivid, right? This idea that many times, you know, when people are are dying of starvation, they'll see a mirage, right? They're, they'll see a little mirage of a spring or of a lake or of some sort of oasis where they could get water. Um, but the closer they move toward it, they are, they ardently strive toward it. Um, but the closer that they move toward it, they realize that it's all it's all sand and Man, I, I prayed. I remember it was 2012, 2013, I think. And I was praying for true friends. I was tra- praying for, for community. And I was striving as hard as I could to find it. And I felt so disconnected being back in my hometown. And God sent me some amazing brothers and sisters to you know, gather around. And, and I felt like I was developing that community. And I felt like the people around me, whether it was local pastors or whatever, um, who was just my, lo- my, you know, most, the closest connection point that I have vocationally to what I do, to, to, to the calling, which is unique. Like the, the calling of a pastor is unique. And, um, man, I, I remember the sense of the sincere sense of betrayal when these things started to happen. 
I just remember being on these panels in front of I don't know how many people in these churches. I was just like, what? Y'all know that uh, Idris Elba clip (laughs) that's going around of him eating the hot stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And he's like, what? 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 And I remember I I literally had that moment. I had that moment of disequilibrium. I said, I said, what is this? And it was was from a place not of anger at that time because I didn't think anger was holy. I thought anger was evil. And I thought defiance, uh, defiantly asserting my dignity was a sin. I did. That's real. Um, That's real. I thought it was simple, man. I did. And so I just, I sat back and I was like, you know, I'm trying to couch it in the right terms and make sure that it, you know, it hits soft and, you know, I'm using the flowery language and all the studies and the statistics. And man, this guy sat across from me at this restaurant and he was like, yeah, but you know, black people, they're more predisposed to evil. You know that. Like, I mean, they're they're more predisposed to violence. That's scientific. He, he flat said that? He did. <sighs> and I said, what? Like, what? You know, and I had a guy say, well, you know, because these are all pastors. Man. Well, you know, because Trump, he, he got 0.5% more than, you know, more black votes than Romney. So, you know, he must have been doing something right. I'm like, what? Like, I just, yeah, you're so condescending. I always read you. I was like, what? What? Like, I just, and I just, I remember the repeated injury of the proximity of ignorant people, people who are not ready and who did not have the capacity to handle the beauty of my dignity. I remember that. Mm. I still feel the weight of that. Um. And the and the profound, say that again. You said don't have can't have don't have the capacity. I don't, I don't know what I said, man. I'm to just accept talking, the man. beauty of my dignity, bro. They they just they didn't they didn't they couldn't even comprehend of how beautiful blackness is. They couldn't comprehend it. Um. And and I just and and that's not even to say for the people who have grown up in those environments who have been in families with people who have who have turned their backs on them or have you know felt like they were betrayed by. They're spiritual leaders and mentors and pastors. And I just remember thinking, is this really all we got? Is this it? And I was so disillusioned and tired and exhausted. And I wasn't even really on the front lines of protest. And I wasn't mm-hmm. even, I hadn't even graduated to go into rallies yet. Uh, I was just trying to convince these, surely these Christian people will know. And God sent me some people, man, who he sent me you, he sent me, you know, Akemeni, uh, Bradford, Ray, uh, Jesse, all these, all these people um, that are in my inner circle, man. And, and they just loved, they loved me so well Hmm. that they gave me hope that God's remnant was still present. And yeah, you know that theologically, but you got to get in the presence of some people who love all of you. You got to experience that. Like, what is that? Like, people are like, man, I, I love you. And I'm like, you love the fact that I make your church look good. You love the fact that I make your flyers look good. You love the fact that you can use my gift. You love the fact 
that I make it seem like you're not bigoted because you have a close black friend. No, you don't love all of me. And when you meet some people who love all, all of it, the flaws, the the little eccentricities, the anger, the frustration, the 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 sanctification, the striving for holiness, um, all of that. That's man. what it was. I, I just. It, it, it felt like, and, and we were talking, I remember, and this was probably, man, it's probably last year into this year, Jamar and I were talking like every day. And I remember sitting back thinking like, bruh, we is some messed up jokers, man, <laughs> because I'm so like, it seemed like every time, but see, it seemed like every time we came back together, every time we talked, it was like, we were pouring our hearts out about all this stuff that was going on. And it would start as like, oh, okay, this is what's going on in society, but it would morph straight into, man, this is what's happening at church. This is what's happening in our families. This is what's happening here. And this is my personal struggle. And this is my wrestle. And, and I can't believe they said this to me. And I feel angry, but I don't want to clap back because we lead, we supposed to be leading a movement. And it's like, and that, but the healing of that and the trust of that, it supplemented the fact that those people might not have been physically in my location. Right. They might not have been able to understand all the things that have happened, but it was just that they were, it was the presence. It was the presence of them. Uh, Willie Jennings, he says, space is the arena of divine meeting, right? So when you inhabit mm. space with people, it's where God meets, <laughs> right? And and it just, whenever we were in the same space. Right. It was like God was there where, you know, and I know it's not contextually accurate the way we say it, but when two or three are gathered together, I know it's about church discipline. I get it. But when two or three are gathered together, he's, he's there. Right. And you feel and it. I'm like, man, it's- and you feel it. And, and I just remember how important that was for me. And I just, I can imagine every, every conference I go to, it seems like I meet some people and they're like, man, you know what? I just so thankful for y'all. And they just tear up. And mm. I'm like, what is mm. the why? Like, I don't understand. We just laptops and mics. I just, I don't get it. Like, why is the thing? It's like, you don't understand. I didn't have anything. Yeah. I didn't have nobody. Yeah. That's right. And what what does it look like to intentionally make a decision to be in the presence of some people who who will who love all of you and who can understand? Who can be touched by that that hurt and that pain? And who can also say, you know what? Because joy, you know, when we say black joy, joy for us is shorthand for all of the full range of human emotions. So mm-hmm. we're not just talking about sadness and we're not just talking about hilarious laughter. We're also talking about somber lament. We're also talk, talking about the, the, the resting and the the assurance of what God will do. We're talking about hope. We're talking about peace. We're talking about anger. We're talking about frustration. All of that. Like the bring full your whole range self. of human emotion. Your whole self. Bring it. All the Psalms. Not just the All of not it. Just yeah, the happy not, just, <laughs> I, not just 23. My goodness. You know? And even 23 will take you through through the take shadow through of all death. Of it. Yes. Yes. Come on. Man. I mean, that's for um, me what has been so difficult about this season is I felt hurt and betrayed by so many people who I had just thought were close and and opened up to them and all of this stuff that it it has been so hard for me to trust again. Yeah. It's been so hard for me to not approach people with cynicism Mm. 
and skepticism and not have every defense up. Now, obviously, there's there's a healthy guarding, right? Like you can't just let anybody in uh, to see every part of you. But there was a period of time prior to these last few years when when it was easier to let those guards down, when it when it didn't take as long. Uh, for me to trust people when when I didn't have the scars that reminded me of the pain I had been through. Oof, come on, Doc. Come on, man. But now I have those scars and it's a daily struggle, right? Yes. It's a daily yes. struggle on the internet. It's a daily struggle in the workplace. It's a daily struggle with other church members, man. I mean, I'll be honest, like I wrote a book and I've never talked about it at my local church. I've never gotten into it because I still don't know how people handle it. And, you know, it's just like, I don't. Bro, that's so honest. I'm like, I'm super <laughs> no, honest, I mean, We know you didn't say that for Patreon. You yeah. know, you know I, mean? <laughs> I need people. No, that's, I need that's people real, listening. That's real. I need people yeah, listening real, to bro. hear how that's honest we are, we are on the mic because we're going to be this honest at the conference. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like, here's the thing. We are in such a new age with conferences where, you know, you can you can get a day pass, a day pass that's electronic and listen in to all the content as it's happening. Or you can go back and catch the recording or you can find a transcript, whatever, whatever. All this technology has made it so you don't have to physically be there to at least access the content. And I think that's tremendous because there's a lot of places I can't be, but I want to hear it. Right. But at the same time, there's something about getting together. Um, there's an argument to be made that the Christian life is an incarnational one, that it has to take on flesh, just like Jesus, right? When, when God wanted to reconcile humanity to God, he didn't send a tweet or a memo or a text, he sent his son. And there's something to that. There's a model there. And so for the Joy and Justice Conference in particular, yeah, we're working on on making it accessible, you know, uh, asynchronously so you can access the content at whatever what point. Asynchronously? <laughs> You know, not in Come real on, time, nah. you know. Nah, man, you can't say we're talking real and then drop a word. I have literally never heard I'm that bringing word all of me. Ever spoken. <laughs> I have never heard that word spoken in the English language. That's what we do. We 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 blaze trails on on past the mic. <laughs> uh, he dropped it like it was nothing. But yeah, he's in Cronus. <laughs> now you got me. You know paranoid. that Spice? Have you seen Spice Adams, the Spice Adams dude who be you know, the comedian who be practicing the, uh, you know, he talks about how like um, players be practicing the pickup lines in the mirror with the, nice. <laughs> you the Spice Adams too. <laughs> he been practicing that. He's like, yo, we go like, since the asynchronously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the point is. <laughs> You got to be there. I mean, you really do. Like, like, look, when when you and I are in the room on the mic, I'll bet you you could go back and listen to the podcast episodes oh, where you and I yeah, are know. on the room and you'll be able to pick it out. Right. Because there's something about being in the presence of someone else and the presence of many people. And we got a taste of this with the uh, past the mic tour that we did last year. We, 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 we yeah, it was it was amazing because 
we had this virtual community that we had been building online through Facebooks, through 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 past the mic, through through social media, all these things, and we were able finally to come together physically in the same space. And we went to six different cities, and we got to we got to be interact with with hundreds of different people. And there were the energy in that room, man. It was again, it was like church. Again, we're not trying to replace it. We're not. We, we don't want to. We can't. But coming together with the saints in the same room. Man, I'm telling you, it's gonna it's going to energize people. It's my hope and prayer is that it's cathartic for people. So, like you say, joy is not just the the happy rah rah laughing smile. Joy is freedom. Joy is the ability to yes. bring your whole self yes. and your whole range of emotions. So, if you need to laugh, if you need to cry, if you need to embrace someone, if you need prayer, I pray that you'll get all of that, even just briefly at this conference so that when everyone walks away, we feel this collective sense of, ah, I can breathe, right? Like, like this huge burden, even for a moment, has been lifted. And I remember what it feels like to stand up straight and to walk arm in arm with people who understand me and believe the same things and are struggling for justice with joy the same way that I'm trying to do. That's what I hope people get. That's so good, man. I also think it's is we would be remiss not to mention our team and the reality that so many people on our team, I know we get on the mic the majority of the time, but if you've listened to the Theology Q&A podcast, um, if you've listened to Combing the Roots with Ali Henney, if you listen to, you know, at the PTM tour, you obviously saw a squad cast. We have a phenomenal team and people who have such wisdom to transmit and to um, to share and such a diverse story and, and walking through hell, man, walking through pain in ways that, again, you just don't see it because you just think that people who are online or you think that people you follow, you retweet, you listen to, we, we don't know how to process their humanity through technology. Like we just don't know how to process that, but they're, they're real people. And I'm excited that they're going to be doing workshops and this phenomenal group of speakers who are right on the cusp of the movement, who are leading us in so many. Tell us real quick ways. about the speakers. So, so, so who, who's doing the plenaries? Okay, yeah, man. So there's this one dude. Um, he is short. He's an uncle. You but, can skip um, that one. Skip it. <laughs> Obviously, Jamar's going to do a plenary. Um, you know, want to be one of the the main speakers during the sessions. But of course, we have. None other than Ikemeni Uwan, um, one third of Truth Table, phenomenal mind, phenomenal theologian, such uh, a truth teller, just such a truth teller. She's going to be talking about reparations. You do not want to miss. That. She's going to bring so much theological oh, heat. Oh boy! Like what you've heard about <laughs> reparations, I'm sure is oh, good. Man. I'm sure it's oh, from you know boy. economists and historians. But when you hear systematic theology, yes, go yes, in. Yes. Oh my goodness, bro! I'm just I'm bringing a pen and a pad, but I, I know I'm just going to drop it and stand up and shout while she's. But the thing about that—that's the thing about Akimini that I think uh, you know so many people don't realize is we know Akimini really well, um, and she really lives and dies on the word, like on the scripture. Yes. Man. 
like she rocks with the text. She rocks with the character and nature of God. She's one of those people um, who inspires you to be more yes. faithful to the word. It, it, yeah, and even in the spiritual disciplines, in prayer, like she'll remember to pray for stuff. I'm like, man, I forgot about this. I told you to pray for this. I forgot about it. So you still praying. Uh, we just appreciate her so much. We're excited to have her. We're also excited to have Dr. Nicole Massey-Martin. Um, Yo, preaching. So, so here's the thing about Dr. Martin. I think the thing about her is she is really a Swiss army knife in the way that she approaches these, these things. She can talk really about anything. And it was one of, one of the things that we sat back and we're like, what would we want her to discuss? What would we, we want her to talk about? Because she can talk about anything. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's amazing. She's a gifted preacher. Um, she's been in the historic black church. She can talk about so many different uh, topics, and we just we felt like justice was really the thing that we wanted so to to highlight for her to 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 focus on and to to lean into. And of course, our final um, plenary speaker is the Reverend Doctor, recently or uh, recently credited Reverend Doctor John Faison right. um, from Nashville, Tennessee. And I've had the privilege of getting to know Doctor Faison personally. And I've also followed his phenomenal preaching ministry and gift. And he is actually giving, uh, actually in, a, in the next few days, giving a keynote um, at the NAACP. Okay. <laughs> so okay. just to let you know Caliber. how that works. <laughs> uh, but he's a great preacher. And, and there are young preachers, there are young Black preachers who I think talk past millennials and talk to boomers. And then there are young Black preachers who... Um, actually only care about millennials and kind of shun boomers. And it's rare for us to see, and it's rare to see someone who is fully comfortable in his own skin, who has all the craft of a classic Black preacher, who has the intellect of a scholar, but then also has the relevance and the, the real world. He smells like us. <laughs> like he looks mm. like us, mm. talks like who we are. And I'm just really excited for you guys to get the opportunity to to hear more. I mean, he's been a TEDx speaker talking about gentrification. Um, he's done phenomenal work in his city about HIV and AIDS, uh, prevention and treatment, raising awareness within churches. Um, he has been a voice for for all generations in that city. So I'm excited for that phenomenal group of plenary speakers and there's others too. I just, you know, obviously we mentioned some of them before. Yeah. But I just, man, joinjustice.com. The content is going to be incredible. The content is great, just, but I think it's the it's the experience of it's coming the experience, together. Yes, that's going to it's going to do something to you, and it's gonna it's gonna spur you on to to go further. And and we also wanted to get some names as well in these in these plenary spots that maybe wouldn't have had an opportunity to speak at some of these other conferences or maybe in our we're still kind of one toe into the one foot into the reformed world um so if you are still listening you're like who are the, some of these names and that's the point that's intentional we want to honor the panorama of black uh, christian faith expression and so we hope that we're doing that so it's not just all baptist people it's not just all reformed people um it's not just all Charismatic people, not just all cessationist people. Not the people it's you've seen really, at every other conference. All yeah, that yeah, that, but that's our that's our hope. Yeah, that's our yeah. hope that it's not that. But you know, we we know that 
you know, some of these people you're going to see at, at a pretty much every conference because of how gifted they are. But man, I'm, I'm pumped, bro. I'm just, I feel an emotional lift even just talking about it because I just know some of the people are going to be there and I know what we're going to experience together. And when we all get in the room, the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And I have to say this because we often get this question, just like The Witness, a Black Christian collective, we are specifically focused on Black experiences, but specific does not mean exclusive. So, Sure, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyone is welcome to come, but we are centering Black people and Black experiences and this Black journey for joy and justice. Um, and I think that's good, though. I think that's good if you're if you if you're not black to 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 hear and see and experience what that feels like. At the same time, if you are black, I know a lot of times I go into Christian spaces and I sort of have my guard up. Like, where is this person coming from? Are their views on race going to be good or painful? Um, you know, what are they going to say that I'm going to have to? disassociate myself, whatever it might be. Sure. I'm hoping yeah. <laughs> this is not that environment for black people, especially for black women. We talk about having a, a, a healing room uh, for black women, just a space for, for where they can be if, 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 if we could work out the logistics. But, you know, that's how intentional we're trying to be um, with this space so that it is not a re-traumatizing experience for people, but a cathartic one, a joyful one for people. Yeah, and and man, if you're a white Christian who is listening and you would like to come and attend, um, sure, just read the room, man. Like, read the room. That's good. You know, um, we love you. We don't think, you know, it's not an exclusive conference, but it is a centering conference. And man, I just I want to emphasize: please read the room. We're we're the burdens of what we're bearing. Like I've shared some of this stuff with. Man, I don't even want to. Do I really want to get into this? I'll just be general and quick. I, I I shared part of my story with a with someone who is a mentor of mine who was white recently, and I didn't feel like he cared one bit about my pain. I'll just be real with you. And um, I shared it as context for some of the things I've said and done and how I've carried myself, and I just didn't feel like Buddy cared. Bro. That's the worst. I just didn't yeah. care. I I just. Well, I just didn't feel like he cared. And and there's nothing, there's nothing like the pain, generational pain, and recognize that it's holy space, it's holy ground. And, you know, don't just don't come in here flippantly. Just come in here reverently and and honoring. I think we'll we'll have a great time and you'll be welcome here. So and I'm yeah, I just wanna wanna throw that little tidbit in. That's good. You know? <laughs> that's really good. It, it, it takes work. It takes work to to um come in and, and be part of the solution and come in and link arms with people and not be uh part of what causes us pain. Uh that being said, I know these past few years have been traumatic for white folks too. Sure, and, yeah. And other people yeah. of color and and uh they feel like they don't have a community where they can uh, be free uh, where they feel like they have a refuge either. And so those are some of the folks who, you know, when we made the the name change and and really shifting to to trying to center black people more intentionally, they stuck with us. And we would love to, to be there with you as well. Um, I'll say this because I've just, I think we should name our needs. Uh, 
we are trying to fundraise for the conference. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can help. Uh, there are in-kind donations, uh, whether that's, you know, chairs or food or, or what have you. Um, and we'll have a page up at joyandjustice.com pretty soon to help outline some of the ways that you can help. But, um, the easiest thing is, is financial contributions. Uh, that is, you can do that online at thewitnessbcc.com. And if you look at the top menu bar, there's a play, there's a, a, a drop down that says donate and just click on that. It can be one-time donation, it'd be, um, it can be a check, whatever it might be. But we're trying to, uh, the hardest part is we're trying to play back black people what they're worth. Um, because so that's, often that's really it. Yeah. That is really it. Like, because I'm telling you if, yeah, we could have done some other stuff, but we genuinely want to pay what these tremendous speakers and voices are, yes. are worth. Cause so often we go into these spaces and me as somebody who speaks a lot in different places, man, the, the, I don't know what it is, if it's if it's racial or folks organizing the event just don't have experience. But some of the some of the offers that come through are 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 almost insulting, not because I have a big head, but it's like you're taking me away from my daily life, away from my family to go pour myself out on these very hard topics. And and you don't like what you want to offer in return seems so incommensurate. With the effort and stop and the with honesty. the words. Uh, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Look, we bring in all our whole stop. selves to this. Cut, we cut bring in our whole off. selves to this. Uh, cut it off. You know, we, we 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 can have vocabulary too. Um, I'm jealous. No, it's, it's not. It ain't about that. It's about I'm jealous. Man, you know, you flowing with these words like it's just like butter. look. Like, you got all this verbal imagery because like, nah, you a preacher. You talk, I'm like, dag, look, dag. Let me look, let me let me go nah. back and listen to that. <laughs> you talking about like oh, you, you, know, you, you talking to your wife like maybe it'd be inconsistent for the budget. You talking well? They don't they don't have the capacity to deal with our blackness. In the anyway, schoolers. anyway, anyway, yes, we gonna see all that. You can donate. Justice. I know we will. You can do that. Um, you can really help. And 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 at, at at it's not the very least; it's a very most. Is pray for us, uh, pray for this conference, yes, pray that the Holy Spirit please. would would move. Even if you can't be there, if you can't be there, bless somebody else, help them get there. But um, we do need your prayers. This is our pitch. I'm just going to be unabashed. Come to the Joy and Justice Conference. If you can't make it, then help make it happen. So visit joyandjustice.com. That's October fourth and fifth in October at the historic Ebenezer Missionary Baptist Church. We would love to see you there or we'd love to see somebody you sent. So tell somebody about it. Share this episode with them. And I cannot wait, Tyler, until the podcast after the conference and everything we're going to have to say. That might have to be a two parter because I know I know we're going to have some news. I know we're going to have some good things to share. For sure. For sure. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Pass the Mic. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. 
Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.